era. Oh yeah, yeah. It was actually. I still. I. <laughs> I can't believe I did it. What? What? What would my Eastbourne era have been? Uh, not bringing a rain jacket. That's just my general tournament era. Every year I go to Roland Garros. Don't take a jacket. <laughs> get really wet walking back from the tournament thinking why have I not got a jacket a windproof one particularly for Eastbourne oh, as well oh yeah it's quite windy here is it no I, I mean I haven't brought a jacket again obviously no it, it, it was I'm not saying it's specific to Eastbourne but in terms of the tournaments that we go to it's quite specific to Eastbourne like this wouldn't happen to you in Birmingham like, it wouldn't have happened to you in Birmingham last week what does it involve it's quite dangerous it can be quite dangerous dangerous um, going out you go to the sea there's no sea in Birmingham. No, I didn't go. I didn't just wander into the sea. <laughs> that is dangerous. That's dangerous. Saying. Dangerous, but it's probably still a little bit too cold. Always be a little bit too cold. I um, I got to my hotel room quite hot. Quite, it's been quite muggy the last few days. Flung open my windows. <gasps> oh my god! I think I know what you're going to say, and I've done the same thing. <laughs> Went to the bathroom. Windows are open, and then very shortly, I was I was heading onto site came out the bathroom and I was face to face with a seagull face to eyeballing <laughs> I was I was eyeballing a seagull that had come in off the ledge onto the table that's in the corner by the window just looking almost as if it was like a statue it was like it was a plastic seagull wow I mean what, what, what was it doing just staring at you it didn't blink do you know they don't blink this one didn't blink it just stared at me. <laughs> they're so intimidating. They're so big, but they're so comfortable. They, they're so you. They don't. They don't. They're not afraid. They are. They are so comfortable. This bird sitting on my table. I didn't. I was sort of frozen. I didn't really know what to do. I mean, what, you can't ask it to leave. I don't think it worked like that. <laughs> so what I did, I, I went back into the bathroom, and shut the door. Oh. <laughs> I, it was almost as if. Never happened. And then when you came out, it was gone. <laughs> Did you not poke it or anything? No, literally gone. I didn't poke it. Are you going to poke a seagull? What if it had reacted to my poking it? Well, this is where when you're a player, having a tennis racket is useful because you can just kind of <laughs> wave it around and, and jab at it and get rid of the seagull. <laughs> Please don't tell me there's a story about you walloping a seagull with a tennis racket. Oh, <laughs> well, no, not quite. But I have something quite similar. I left my window open. I mean, this was a big blunder when I left for the day to go to the tournament <gasps> at Eastbourne. Bad. Yeah. And it was one of those, you know, the the windows that you slide up. So there's a rather large gap, plenty of room for multiple seagulls. I don't know how many were in my room, but when I came back, <laughs> it was absolutely ransacked. There were all of the biscuits had been ripped to pieces all over the floor, clothes everywhere. You're kidding. Yeah. And quite a lot of seagull shit on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> I had, to, I had to phone reception and be like, um, I don't know how this possibly happened, but I might need to move rooms. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I had to move rooms. Were there any left in there when you got back? No, there was nothing in there, but I got really tense because I, I came in, you know, it's like you've been burgled and you just think, oh, hang on, what's going on? You think, well, maybe there is something in the bathroom or something under the bed, who knows? And then I didn't know what was going on at first until it... I, I mean it dawned on me that a seagull had a lot of fun in my room got some food did they genuinely ransack it like genuinely oh yeah yeah so all of the biscuits I mean there was just like a couple of packets of biscuits you know how you get they were ripped to pieces and just crumbs all over the floor all over the carpet and some of my <laughs> clothes I'd laid out like a couple of t-shirts on the bed they'd been picked up and thrown on the floor uh, and then replaced with bird shit oh wow 
Mm. So, so my encounter with the bird that didn't blink was actually—I literally—I just thought I'm just going to pretend it hasn't happened, and I sort of shut the door, made a bit of a bang, came out. It, he, she had left. But then I was—I went—I went to the tennis, and I said, "But there's a sign. There's a sign telling you, do not open your windows. Seagulls are getting in." And I hadn't seen a sign. And I had a look that night, and there was a little sign, and it warned of pigeons. And so I wasn't so worried about pigeons because I thought, you know, pigeons is fine. Yeah. But this whopping great seagull, non-blinking creature staring at me, is a whole different thing. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I had another experience. It didn't involve birds, but in Indian Wells, where the weather is beautiful and it doesn't rain. It's just beautiful. And, and one day I'd left for the tennis and I'd put some gym kit to dry on, a, on the balcony because I thought that, you know, it's beautiful weather, I'll come back. And then there was some kind of sandstormy, hurricane-y thing that came in from nowhere. And when I got back that evening and I, and I opened the door, all my gym kit had gone. There was, there was nothing there. There was a couple of socks downstairs with uh, on floor one, so I had to go into there. And the rest of it was at Taco Bell next door. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know it was there? So, well, I could see it. I could look across to Taco Bell and there was sort of shorts and t-shirt things so like so it's midnight (laughs) I'm sort of creeping out of this hotel looking really shifty because firstly I have to creep onto the balcony on the ground floor to get my socks then I have to go into Taco Bell (laughs) and try and retrieve pieces of my gym wear (laughs) oh amazing see people don't realize the hazards of traveling hazards of traveling no the hazards of leaving windows open just never do. I just, yeah, I just, I've never done that since. Every time I leave, just everything shuts because in Eastbourne, I mean these things. What's your Eastbourne history playing wise? Do you have a history with Eastbourne? Oh, do we have to go into that? Oh, sorry. (laughs) This was (laughs) this was one of those tournaments where I've never played well. I've never won a match. So it's a good start. Uh, well, I mean, in the professional tournaments, I've played down there in some domestic events, but that doesn't really count. But yeah, no, awful. I don't like wind. That's an issue down there. Oh. And I just, I don't know why, for some reason. Oh, well, also the tournament's really strong. That, that might have something to do with it as well. <laughs> it's like, because when I was playing, it was a smaller draw. So it was, yeah, it was just a 32 size draw for the women's, but it was still a really strong one. And... I yeah I mean it was it was it was tough going that's all I can say maybe that had more to do with it than the wind but I blame the wind so if you didn't like wind why did you even bother going to the tournament because there's always going to be wind in Eastbourne it's like there's always going to be seagulls in Eastbourne because it's Eastbourne it's a massive tournament of course it's going to go do you know what the first year I didn't go and it didn't go down very well I must say it was because I had just done quite well I think I won uh, won some matches at Edgebaston and I played the Wimbledon wildcard playoffs as well in like the same week. And I won that. So I won a main draw wildcard into Wimbledon. This was my first grass court season. And so I'd played a lot of matches and I've, obviously I suddenly had Wimbledon to prepare for, which I was not at all anticipating. I was quite young. And I even said to my coach before going to the wildcard playoffs, I think we talked about this before, didn't we? And me saying that I didn't want to play I was just like, what's the point in playing? I've played loads of matches. I'm a bit tired. Like, it's not like I'm going to win the thing. I can't win the wild card. And he said, well, if you make the semis, then you might uh, get a qualifying wild card. So you never know. That's doable. So I said, oh, right, fine, I'll go. And then uh, anyway, I ended up winning it. And I <laughs> booked myself a spot at Wimbledon. So that was quite cool. So I, I then 
listen to my coach a lot more readily. But so then after winning that, I was asked, oh, do you want to come down to play in Eastbourne? Do you want a wild card to play in Eastbourne? And it was just, I don't know. I, ever since the beginning of my career, I always struggled to kind of get my head around things and how fast things were moving. Maybe I should have just let it go and just enjoyed the ride a bit more. But I, I always kind of felt like I was like, oh, hang on hang on I, I just can I just have a breather can I just get around my head around what's going on because everything moves so so quickly and so after doing that I kind of got a phone call saying oh would you want a wild card come and play in Eastbourne and I just thought no I just need I, I've just got into Wimbledon somehow who knows how that's happened <laughs> and I just need like a few days <laughs> to just calm down and try and digest all of this uh, so that's why I didn't play Eastbourne the first time and then I played every year after that and yeah, just very tough matches is all I can remember. I don't think I've won singles or doubles down there. Especially for British players this time of year must be insane because there are the opportunity of, of wildcards into tournaments of maybe a level that you wouldn't be getting into on a regular basis. There are also your home tournaments, so there's the pressure and there's more press there that want to talk to you because it's a home tournament, etc. etc. So I imagine it is just... And it's such... The grass whether you love it or hate it, it's such a small chunk of time. So it's a small chunk of time. You're playing in your country and suddenly there's the offer of of these little pots of gold, these little wild cards that you might not get any other times of the year. And so you want to do it all. But at the same time, as you say, sometimes you've just got to be like, I've just got to step back a little bit because I imagine it's a little bit overwhelming at times. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It can be uh, for sure, especially when you're young. You don't really... Um I don't know. You're just not really ready for it. I mean, some people are, I guess. There are some people who have been kind of, you know, driving to be professional tennis players from a young age and have always been near the top-ish. So they've kind of been expecting it and maybe they've been on big stages before and that sort of thing. I was not one of those people. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was way away from the top domestically, let alone <laughs> internationally. So as I say, it just did happen very quickly. And there's a lot to contend with. And also just playing on grass. I hadn't really played on grass very much either. So that was pretty new. Turned out I really liked it. So that was uh, a bonus being British. It always helps <laughs> if you like the grass. I've always felt a bit sorry for Kyle. Edmund <laughs> it's just he just never really liked grass and obviously all of the focus and all of the hopes on him at Wimbledon and then and at these other tournaments and I just spend the whole time explaining to people it's not his best okay it's, it's, this is not Kyle Edmund at his best it's okay <laughs> don't panic it's fine well it's, I found it um we had media day and a handful and we with the BBC this week we're doing the the WTA draw so we were speaking to the WTA players that they put up and it's normally the top seeds or someone that might be a little bit unique or has won it in the past, et cetera, et cetera. And so the players were getting, the first player through was Kiki Burtons, who used to, still slightly does, hate the grass. And, and so I said to her, you know, you, it feels like you've made this breakthrough on grass and you've, you've cracked it. You got to the final in, in Ross Marlin and da, 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 da. And she, I said, do you like it a bit more? And she said, she said no, I think I hate it a bit less. And I, thought, <laughs> I thought, that's still a pretty strong anti-grass feeling. And then Simona Halep came along and we know like Kiki Burton's absolutely adores playing on, <laughs> playing on the clay. And I said to her that Diego Schwartzman during Queens had said that the emotions he feels when he sees 
grass, a grass court, a football, <laughs> because he associates the grass with the football and he loves it. And and she said, well, for me, I think picnics. <laughs> she, said, <laughs> she said, I don't think tennis. She, think, she said, I think about sitting on the grass, having a picnic. She said, I know I've got to get in as many games as possible, but it's just for some people, you know, and if you, if you don't like the grass, then... I imagine it's not too much of a worry because it is fundamentally a very small part of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, look for the men's, they don't have any masters events. They've got, you know, you've got a couple of 500s and 250s and, and that's it. So it's not really a big part of the year. It's only Wimbledon. So if you're, good and effective on grass it's a bit of a shame for you and it's not even just grass really any sort of fast surface on the men's side there's definitely much fewer events than uh, than there are on the slower surfaces um for the women there's probably more faster surfaces so it's not as bad but uh yeah it's it's short i mean look we've got an extra week now i mean can you i can't even remember what it was like when it was basically three weeks long um it was <laughs> It's just blink of an eye. Yeah, I was just trying to think back that because I've also now got, because I've, in between the grass court season, I had the, the twins' birthday party. Ah, yes. How did it go? It was it was good. Um, open presents, got very excited. And I, I made sort of homemade puzzle sandwiches and people who've got children might know about puzzle sandwiches. All the little pieces that you put together. I was up to about two o'clock in the morning making puzzle sandwiches. Which uh, which were a success. I, th- I sent you a picture of them. <laughs> I thought they were very impressive. Really, they look quite complicated. Well, I think they, they they look more complicated than they actually than they actually are. So I was so in between sort of Queens finishing and Eastbourne starting. Had a lot of puzzle sandwiches. I, I enlisted a friend to blow up balloons until whatever o'clock in the morning. No, I think I think they had um, I think they had a good time. I think in between all this, but uh, oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah, no, I think they did. But I think that extra that extra week in the grass court season, it's uh, it's so short, though, isn't it? It's just I just think it's fascinating when you see some of the players, and I just remember thinking back to when you were talking about clay, and you said I didn't really need clay, or I didn't really need to. It it, it wasn't a massive thing for you that you could just sort of say, well. It's, it's, it w- it's not worth me sort of doing everything to play on the clay because I can just avoid it. And it's, it's weird seeing players' relationship with the grass, almost that they, they kind of want to like it, but they just almost can't get their head around it in some ways. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a challenging surface, I think, even for players that like it. It's, it's very particular, it's very different to the other surfaces, so... Um, it definitely takes some adaptation. But like you were saying with some of the interviews you did and the responses you got, a couple of years ago I did some interviews with the players and I was just kind of asking them all, what, what's your top tip just for playing on grass? <laughs> got some interesting responses, but I agree with you. You get some people that just kind of go, ah... Uh, I don't really know. <laughs> I've got no tips for playing on grass. I don't, I'm not enjoying things. You roll on US Open series. Um, and then you have a couple that obviously absolutely love it. So what well, I interviewed Petra Kvitova and she said, and quite sensibly so, she said, ah, be a lefty and then hit your serve wide on the advantage side. So, which I thought was pretty smart. It's just, it's not doable for a lot of people. <laughs> but <laughs> she was kind of laughing at everyone else being like, ha ha. You're not a lefty. <laughs> you will suck on the grass. And Coco Vanderway, uh, what was she talking about? Saying like dealing with bad bounces and getting down low. Getting down low is probably the main thing. 
Yeah, work the bum. You're going to have a stiff bum the day after your first day on the grass, that's for sure. Yeah, that's the big thing, isn't it? It's just, it just doesn't bounce up high and the way they have to get down. And we've talked so much about Rafa Nadal and his knees. It is not good for the Nadal knees having to get that low. But then today I was um, commentating on Angelique Kerber and she does that sort of crouch like the Agnieszka Radvanska when they're just down on their haunches. How low they get to hit that ball is absolutely incredible. It's, it's it's unbelievable. But she, look, she says she's a defending Wimbledon champion, says she loves it, she feels at home here, it just really enjoys being on it. And then Simona Halep, who's entered in the doubles and the singles, she just has a bit of a smile on her face as if, I'll give it a go, I'll see how it goes. But then maybe the likes of Kiki Burtons, who felt so much pressure at the French Open because suddenly she was being talked about as winning it. And she's one of these people, it seems, from talking to a lot of people that doesn't want that attention. A bit like Kerber. Kerber never looked comfortable as world number one, didn't want that kind of attention. But maybe someone like Kiki Burton's will do really well at Wimbledon because no one's going to talk about Kiki Burton's. It doesn't matter that she's the fourth best player in the world at the moment. They're not going to talk about her winning Wimbledon at all. And maybe players like her, maybe they're the ones to look out for because there's not going to be the pressure that she had, for instance, at Roland Garros. It's all going to be on Angelique Kerber's defending champion. You always look at the defending champion. Serena Williams has not played a warm-up event. She kind of led people to believe that there might be an opportunity of playing one. Hasn't. She's going for 24. She desperately wants 24. So there'll be people that are looked at, but the likes of... And even Simona Halep, they'll talk a little bit more about her. I think she was, what, quarterfinals last year. But someone like a Kiki Burtons, no one's going to talk about her, surely, because it's not her surface. Yeah, well, that's what we saw with Ash Barty and Roland Garros, right? I think people were starting to talk about her as potentially winning Wimbledon because grass really is her surface. But on the clay, and I think she was in a similar camp in not particularly loving the stuff. And then at the end, she's kind of like, okay, I can I can deal with it now. Well, you kind of just won Roland Garros. So I think you, you do slightly more than deal with it. But, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll keep it chilled out. We'll keep it, uh, you know, pretty nonchalant. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's pretty open, isn't it, Wimbledon? On, on the women's side. I'll tell you who I was watching today and I watched her in Edgebaston as well. It was Ostapenko. And I wouldn't be surprised if she stormed through because she's she's kind of getting it together again now. And she, I mean, she absolutely creams the ball. She took out Sloane Stevens. She destroyed Joe Conta in Edgebaston. Absolutely destroyed her. I mean, it was just it was 40-something winners in a very short space of time. Absolutely ridiculous. So I could see her going on a good run, but I could easily see her losing in the first round as well. You just didn't ever really know with Ostapenko, but she's definitely improving uh, and really getting some form and some confidence. And I tell you what, an Ostapenko confident is uh, is pretty scary. So you've got to throw people like her in the mix as well. She's already won a slam. She's done it. So it can't be that too, it can't be that absurd, really, can it, for her to, to do it? And um, yeah, I mean, Conta, some of these young players as well. I mean, I think it's it's really open. You know, someone who I'm not talking about Wimbledon for this year, um, Sophia Kennan, who just won the title in in Mallorca, she lost to mm. Sam Stoza today. Sam Stoza would then go on to lose to Angelique Kerber in the singles. But I was just reading a little bit about more, a little bit more about Sophia Kennan, and I saw that video of her. Have you seen that video of her as a five year old? Oh, so she's five years old. She's on a tennis court, and 
it's and there's there's a guy she's being interviewed you know oh so you what do you want to do I want to be a professional tennis player da, da, da. but it was her answer who who's your idol who do you, he's five and I'm just trying to imagine my children aren't quite that age yet but and who do you look up to Andy Roddick was her hero then the next question was how would you how would you return an Andy Roddick serve you know you're expecting a little bit of a laugh and go you know and then she starts talking about split stepping (laughs) and shortening the split step and and a short backswing off the return and you're thinking you're five I mean you are five years old it's the the um WTA have done this really nice series called my story on a handful of the players and, and it's worth finding it on on youtube it was incredible because they've actually got the video of when she was saying all this and then she's watching that video of herself and boy the the drive the determination in sonia kennan coached by her father i mean is 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 beyond belief i mean i, I I'm, I'm completely sold i mean i was very impressed when i saw at the french open of roland garros she then wins Mallorca, but but boy, I mean, she, she's she's going to be a star. She's going to be world number one. She, have you talked about slip, split stepping when you're five? <laughs> What's that all about? Well, she's had her eyes on the prize, hasn't she, from a very young age. She's known exactly where she was going. You know, I was talking about, you know, when you start breaking through and sometimes people aren't quite ready or not expecting. She's somebody who's prepared her whole life for it. That's why she's taking it all in her stride. She doesn't, she, she, this is what she was meant to do. This is what she's been waiting for. She's been pushing for, for such a long period of time. So it's a completely different situation. So she's a, I don't think she's going to come up against any of the struggles that some other players do. But yeah, it's um, very, it's just so impressive to see that sort of drive. She won the title, of course. I mean, look, she's always in with a shout. Just, well, I mean, ever since Roland Garros, it wasn't that long ago, but it feels like it feels like she's been one of the ones in the mix for a while now. But um, yeah, I mean, look, she took out Serena Williams and dealt with some very big matches and big occasions. And it's like water off the duck's back. She, doesn't, she just doesn't care. Are you in a position to give your Wimbledon predictions at this stage? I mean, we've I got to do it now because the next time we speak, Wimbledon will be couple of days old well hopefully I'll see you before then but you never know we don't tend to see each other at tournaments just sort of weird creepy photos and videos from a distance well predictions let's do I think the men's is slightly easier now don't I'm not saying anything negative about the guys now before anyone jumps down my throat just saying there might be less people who are able to win it than in the women's and I think that's fair enough come on now um you picked Djokovic didn't you yeah would you like to change that now uh no I Sometimes you go into a, a tournament and you're very confident about who you've chosen, and you, I'm not. I wouldn't put my house and family on him winning, which would be quite a drastic thing to do. But I wouldn't do that. But I'm still, I'm still pretty confident with the pick, and I, I, I will, I'll, I'll stick. I will stick with that. Do you know what I want? Is a new winner. How long has it been? Oh, this is you're off on one again, aren't you? You did this in the fr- what are you doing? But how long has it been? Come on now. You did this in Roland Garros. What is it with you and change? You're going to want a new podcast partner soon. You just want change all the time. What are you talking <laughs> about? Change has been 15 years. 15 <laughs> years. I want a new winner. Come on, people. Who's going to win it? Well, you tell well I've gone for one of the people you don't want to win it. <laughs> <laughs> well after Queens everyone's getting very excited and in the back of my mind I've got this tiny little voice saying Andy Murray <laughs> he's not going to win it <laughs> no because he's not in the singles so <laughs> that would be that would be amazingly impressive and at the moment he's in the doubles and as we speak he's not quite in the mixed doubles <laughs> 
you'd got a text from Andy Murray, would you have said yes? I think it depends who you are. So I can completely understand Barty turning him down. That makes in- entire sense because she wants to try and win the thing. She's already committed to doubles, so she doesn't want to play three events because she is trying to win. Uh, and, I, and I get that. And she really has a, obviously a huge... She's one of the favourites. She has uh, <laughs> one of the favourites. She's world number one. <laughs> Forgot that detail. <laughs> We're like, yeah, Barty, she's doing quite well. I think she can do big things. But no, she's world number one. And uh, <laughs> she's had a, a fantastic year. I mean, really, I mean, her, her results have been just consistently extraordinary. So she's definitely... Yeah, I can totally understand her saying no to Andy. I'm sure it's a difficult decision. I'm less on board with Mladenovic saying no. And it's, and again, it, yeah. it's, it's just trying to be a little bit realistic, you know, like she obviously, of course she wants to focus on her singles. She's got a new coach with Sasha Bayin. She's doing well again. She's climbing up the rankings. So, you know, it's not like she's just floating around or anything. And of course she'll play in the women's doubles as well. But really, it, you know, I mean, look, I don't see Vladenovic winning it. I don't see her pushing that far in a slam. I mean, she's not been to the latter stages of a slam. So I found that one a bit strange. I think if I were her, I would have bitten his hand off. I don't know. What do you think? You know who we thought? I was talking, doing a match today with Sam Smith. And we think, and by the time some people listen to this podcast, it may have already been confirmed who he's with, etc. But at the time that we're doing this, he still, as far as we know, doesn't have a mixed doubles partner. We thought a very good choice for him would be Sam Stoza. Mm. That would How be about good. that for a mixed doubles partner? I mean, she's a Grand Slam champion on the doubles court. She's, I, th- I just think she'd be excellent. She's got a good head on her shoulders. Lovely girl. Good doubles partner. Knows her way around the court. Doubles court. What do you think? Yeah, and the thing with mixed doubles is that you don't... It's not necessarily set. Like, I have to say, I mean, to snag Air Bear for men's doubles Wimbledon is quite something because, you know, people are normally set with their partners for slams quite a significant time ahead of time. But with mixed doubles, things get worked out the week before and bits and bobs and people say whether they're interested in playing and that sort of thing. So you can kind of understand a bit more. Um... But yeah, I, I like I like Stoza. I don't feel. Do you like her? Do you like the Stoza? I didn't feel you because you seem to change the subject quite quickly. I didn't think you were on board with with the Stoza <laughs> well, choice. Well, yeah, I think I don't know. I just I don't think that will be uh, the direction that he wants to go in. Come on, then give me give me your direction. You think who would be best for the direction you believe he wants to go in? Who, if you choose anybody out there apart from Ash Barty, because you said no. And Christine Bedenovic, come on. Oh, I don't know if I could choose anybody. Well, he should have, he should have played with Mladenovic, shouldn't he? Uh, well, it depends who's, who depends who's, who's sorted out. I mean, somebody like Demi Schurz. Yeah. I mean, she's a, a fantastic doubles player doing really well and very much focused on the doubles. So, you know, you know she's going to be, I mean, everybody yeah. would be 100% dedicated to it, of course, but uh, she's there for doubles. So I think that would be good. I watched her play in Edgebaston. She was excellent. And I tell you what, and actually she lost, uh, her and her partner lost against um, Stritzova and Shay. Oh, can you imagine Murray <laughs> playing with Shay? Let's do that. Sue Shay. That'd be amazing. That'd be so much fun. It'd be absolute carnage. Victoria Azarenka. Good choice. Absolutely, of course. Already a Murray fan, so I hear. Yes. So she, yeah, she's, I suppose she's extended family by now, isn't she, after playing with Jamie? So 
did was this a very convenient way of getting you not to pick your winner for the <laughs> men's singles? Because I'm I'm sure that's where we started this. And apart from saying you want someone new or Andy Murray, which well the Andy Murray thing's not going to happen this year. We know that. And the new thing, uh, you don't think it's going to be someone new? Going, if I'm going to get okay, I'll uh, let's bet your your wedding shoes on this. Will you stake your wedding shoes on your pick? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> not really actually, you spent so long walking them in and, and wearing them in <laughs> I know I've got to do more of that actually um, oh come on I don't know look I think I picked Federer come on come on give me a, you, you, you just said you said the men's was easier than the women's to pick and yet you haven't picked yeah so <laughs> but I'm just rubbish at picking come on I pick terrible players all the time come on um, come on Come on. Oh dear. Uh, I, I, I just, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. Hit me, throw some names at me. I'm blanking on names. Who plays tennis? Name some players. Djokovic. No. Federer. No. Nadal. No. Chilich. <laughs> no. Uh, Zverev. Zverev, no. Team. Team. No. Nishikori, no. Sam Query. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Shardy. Okay, okay. Right. I get, I get the idea. You're not on board. David Goffer. Diego Schwartzman. <laughs> Come on, give me a name. I'm still struggling. <laughs> you could have a Stefano Sitsipas. He would still be new, although he's top 10. He would still be a new winner. You can have a Karen, Karen Hashanov. Yes. Who can blow people off the court if he's in the right frame of mind. Yes. All of these things are possible. You could have a Daniel Medvedev, who's close to cracking the top 10. He's been getting some good results on the grass. Yeah, he has been. I'm, I'm less convinced with him over... It's the five sets thing that's... Clear. All right, do you know what? Fine, sits a pass. Let's do it. You don't sound very convinced. On record. I'm not at all. I think I think the lead up to this, which has been about 10 minutes long, proves that I am not confident at all. Okay, so women, I come to you first. Who's going to win the women's? Why am I going for... I just did the men's. We, you've done Djokovic. Hang on, because I went first on the men's. Oh, okay. All right, do you know what? You've spent so long... I'll do it quickly then. Ready for this? <laughs> Ostapenko. Uh, no. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's possible. She's more likely to win Wimbledon now than she was to win the French when she did. Would you put any money on her winning Wimbledon? No, I don't put money on anyone. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, I'm terrible at making any sort of prediction. But I, I, I look. Do you know what? All I'm saying is, can I have a pat on the back if she does well? No, no, whoa, 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 whoa. If she does well, what? What's well? A couple of rounds? What are we doing? I'm not about? saying I win. I'm not saying I win, but if she kind of makes like a semi or something. If she makes the semis, then yes, that's a good call. Okay, great. Fine. I'll stick with that then. I have put on record Pliskova, Carolina. Right. Yeah. You better hope she doesn't come up against her sister because I watched that and Carolina did not <laughs> enjoy playing against Christina. So as long as Christina's in the other half, you might have a good chance. I know all that thing about sisters finding it difficult to play each other. Christina, I mean, Pliskova didn't play a usual standard of game I think it's fair to say but Christina Pliskova played out of her skin and now she they had a little bet and now Christina Pliskova is going to buy something for Carolina so whoever won going to buy the other one something yeah which is nice she said she hasn't chosen it yet and hasn't but that's so she's going to buy something for so yeah no I've gone I've gone Pliskova but it could have been it, it could have been one of one of many. Yeah, you've got to say, like, I mean, Conta's got a good chance as well. I mean, as I say, so, so many names. I think it's going to be so interesting. I really think but it's going I... to be an exciting tournament. And I can't, I feel like, you know, on the men's side, one of the big three is going to go early on. 
and on the women's side, it's just going to be, I think it's just going to be carnage. I think there's going to be seeds dropping all over the place. It's going to be great. What do you think about Rafa Nadal? Because for people that don't know, Wimbledon are the only Grand Slam where they sort of do a little bit their own thing when it comes to seedings because they take into consideration past results at Wimbledon on the grass. And so they just, they don't take the world rankings. They don't have to take the world rankings. Mm. They can shuffle and again by the time people listen to this they may have seen shuffling up but Rafa Nadal's come out and it, it makes a massive difference if you're if you're two you're two in the world you're the opposite side to Novak Djokovic which is probably a good thing to be but if suddenly you find yourself at three then you could be floating in that heart do you agree I don't know if that's too strong a word but think that what they do is fair or do you think it should just be going to world rankings because basically that's what they've done through the year and if you're two you're two you should be two well now they have a transparent formula it's quite complicated but they have a formula that they use so that i suppose helps players it's not just kind of them deciding what the what the seedings should be so you know it, it is fair to an extent because it's set out early on everybody knows the deal and I, I understand Rafa's point. And it's tough if you're number two in the world and then you get seeded at three. That's, that sucks and it makes a massive difference because you're going to play the number one in the world in the semi-finals, potentially, rather than the finals. So, you know, it, it can make a huge difference. And I think when, you know, moving people within certain brackets is fine, you know, between seeded five to eight. You know, it doesn't make any difference if you're eight or six it's exactly the same. You're out of a hat. So it's just kind of a, a status thing, I guess. Um, but yeah, when you start kind of moving, if you go from eight to nine, that's a massive difference. That's a, it's a whole round difference in terms of the level you're playing or your, the level you're due to play against in each round of the tournament. And so the tougher matches come around earlier. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I Look, I mean, we talked earlier about how different grass is to the other surfaces. So I can understand that and I can also understand we were saying how there just are not enough tournaments on the grass so I suppose Wimbledon feel like the grass court season isn't long enough to really impact the seedings and the rankings in the way that it would if it had a fair share like the clay or the hard does so they're just trying to beef up I suppose what the grass court season is and what it means um, because particularly on the men's side, as you say, with no Masters events, it's just a couple of 500s, some 250s, and then Wimbledon. So it's really, yeah, it, I suppose you can have somebody who's really good on grass, but maybe got a couple of rotten draws at Wimbledon, and their ranking is way lower than it should be on a grass court. So, yeah, I mean, I understand what Rafa's saying in terms of Wimbledon disregarding the work and the consistency on other surfaces from the players. But the fact is that the schedule isn't fair. It doesn't work out in a fair way. So it's Wimbledon's way of trying to get the most appropriate seeds for the tournament. Um, and look, I, I mean, I've said it before, and I, I think that the schedule needs to be looked at. Uh, I think it needs a complete overhaul, really. I think everything needs to shift around. I think the season needs to be shorter. Um, yeah, I, I think that having a, a clay court tour, essentially running alongside the, men, the, the same tour, the men's tour, is just, 
it's, it's quite difficult for the players that like the fast surfaces. They just don't get that opportunity and it's really weighted towards those particular surfaces. And look, one of the most unique things about tennis and one of the most fascinating things is that we change the surface. We completely change the surface. It's absolutely bonkers. You go from sliding around in a sand pit to playing on a lawn. I mean, no other sport does that. Uh, and has that sort of extremes where you have to play completely differently. You have to wear different shoes, different movement, different everything. It's such an amazing part of tennis. So I think it should be celebrated a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I'd like the schedule to be looked at. So I know that's a very kind of sitting on the fence sort of answer. But I I guess what I'm saying is on the whole, I'm kind of in favour of it. what I would prefer is for the grass court season to be longer and for things to shift around. Look, we've got two seasons in America already. Um, you know, once you add in the Asian swing as well, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, what makes sense quite simply is Australian swing in January, then go to Asia, then go to Europe, then go to the States and then finish with all of your team events. That's and and Euro two or it's not O2, it won't be the O2 for much longer, but your, your World Tour finals. And that's a, it's a schedule that makes sense and you can even things out. And then you wouldn't need any sort of formula because players that play well on fast surfaces would get the benefits and their rankings would reflect that. So say you, which is uh, good. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people agree with that, thinking about shuffling things around. And by the time people listen to this, we'll know what has happened with the Wimbledon seedings. I, I still haven't booked my accommodation for your wedding. Yeah, you're making me feel like you don't want to come. But <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no, I do, I do. But I'm just, just I just sleep in a field or something. Come the end of it, if I need to. Yeah, there'll be a pillow. Can you remind me to do that at some point? I know you've got a lot of other things to be thinking about with the wedding, but just sure. Yep, I'll organise you as well. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. <laughs> but just get, just give me a little nudge because we are going to be like, again. I say this loosely, but seeing a lot of each other from next week yeah we're working together how exciting it just does not happen often enough doesn't mean we'll see each other just okay can i ask you a favor in terms of life management please so that means you are going to help me with my wedding accommodation yeah of course because a favor returns another favor yeah that, that, that right? that's fine okay that's fine don't worry i'm not taking advantage <laughs> <laughs> go on then but so you were saying that you know when you think about the grass you've got uh, you got the boy's birthday so that's a big factor in the grass court season. And for me in Wimbledon, I've got Ben's birthday. Oh, have you? Slap bang in the middle of Wimbledon. Oh. Yes. And look, I'm not going to lie. It's quite an inconvenient time for his birthday to be. And last year I may have forgotten. <laughs> As in completely forgotten. Didn't get a card. Didn't even think about it until, you know, you get those Facebook reminders at like 9.15. <laughs> in the morning I was on my way to Wimbledon and I'd seen him in the morning obviously chatting over breakfast and all sorts no and then I thought oh and he was actually coming to Wimbledon that day but obviously not coming in until later (gasps) I thought oh okay and then I rushed to Waitrose and I got a card and so then when he turned up at Wimbledon I was like here's your card yeah he didn't buy it but um yeah look I'm not gonna lie I'm not very good with this stuff I'm not it I don't know what wasn't it isn't it what isn't it wasn't it isn't it is <laughs> it Sven's birthday during Wimbledon or is that when he had his bits cut off? I just said something about because <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the same thing. <laughs> 
Um, I can confirm it was the latter. It was the bits coming off. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, remember, I was very distraught last year, wasn't I? I thought it was his birthday. I don't know why I planned that for Wimbledon because they told me, they were like, oh, it's not a problem. The dogs recover really quickly. It's just going to be an afternoon and he'll be fine after that. He did not react well. As badly as you can possibly react, that is how bad it was. And I was at Wimbledon working all day thinking, oh, my puppy. So hang on. He was about to go through something pretty traumatic, having his bits chopped off, basically being changed from what he was to what he is now. And you're like, yeah, no, it's going to be fine. I'm just going to work. Just going to leave you to it. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I I do remember you being slightly concerned. Do I? So, okay. So we've got the anniversary of, of that. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if that is that some is that something you celebrate. <laughs> Remind me of that as well. I need to I need to get a card for for Sven. <laughs> Congratulations! That's you celebrate another year. Yeah. So we've got that to remember. Okay. So Wimbledon, we've got Sven's bits to remember or lack of them. We've got Ben's birthday and we've got Tennis's one year anniversary. Yes, and I've got my present for you. It's arrived. Get excited. Does that mean I have to have a present for you? Is what I'm starting to think. A lot of time and effort went into this and. Yes, possibly you should get me a present. I want a present. It's fine. No, no, it's fine. This is, I actually got two. I got two of these things. So it's one for me, one for you. So I got myself the present. So don't worry about it. it I, if it's, I'm saying it right now, if it's matching t-shirts, I'm not interested. Why? I don't want us to walk around Wimbledon wearing t-shirts with tennis written on it. Why not? It's advertising. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> We've got to up our game here. Oh, what have you bought us? Oh, I just feel like, I feel like this is a Hindu. I feel like it's. I feel we can be like a like a a sash with tennis on. Can I get you to promise on air for our tennis listeners that you will use or wear whatever I give you for at least a day? Absolutely not. It's not. What? No way! I'm making a blind promise like that. Why? I don't not? know what it is. Why it could don't you be trust me? Because <laughs> I do. I don't think we've got trust issues, but I just. <laughs> I just. I'm just a bit scared. I feel like there are trust issues. I, maybe we should continue this conversation off air. Wimbledon has a very strict dress code. So don't be just, I'm just, I'm a little bit concerned. <laughs> so we, okay, so basically we've got a lot to remember in the next couple of weeks. Yes, very busy. Sven, Ben and our birthday. Yeah, and I mean, let alone my wedding. I'm going now to book my wedding accommodation. Good, you do that and get excited about your present. Uh, well, it's the fact that you've got... A matching one that's just I've got twins and I do not dress them identically <laughs> I have a real issue about dressing twins identically and now you're telling me that you've got something we're for... not twins it's fine no but you've, you're telling me that you've got something for you and I it's like we're going on a Hindu I just find it a bit I'm just I'm just not sure I'm just not sure but next week I'll find out and we will um i think you're gonna like it i'm sure i'll love it it's very thoughtful of you and i'll remind you about your husband-to-be's birthday and your dog's bits and anything else (laughs) and your dog's bits but i'm looking forward to us being together at wimbledon yes i can't wait to see you i know it's been a long time so i I look forward to it i'm going to go now and find some accommodation where are you getting married again i can't remember but i'll find some accommodation (laughs) I want to go before you uninvite me. (laughs) 